made it. You made it. We have no, um, we have no Advent candles in front of us. We lit the last one uh, for some of you that were able to come on Christmas Eve. Uh, that was cool. Um, so it's good. And I, I, I don't know if you read the newsletter. Well, actually, I know exactly how many of you read the newsletter. Not a lot of you. It's fine. Um, 2020, new things for you, okay? Uh, I love Christmas. I'm the kind of person that um, I don't like to see it leave, right? Like I like to keep, I keep things up for an inappropriate, probably long time. Uh, I'm that person. Um, I have a tree and this is the van. I took this this morning. This is my Christmas tree. It's a great little tree. Um, Those um, presents are all just Michigan air, just wrapped up boxes of Michigan air. Um, But it makes it look cozy and cute. I have a pretty small place, right? So I have a like a bi-level condo. And so um, the upstairs where I live most of my life is only like 600 square feet. So it's long and skinny. So that picture is taken from the vantage point of a small blue lazy boy where I live 98% of my life when I'm home. And any chance I get, that's where I am this time of year, where if I'm going to do anything, I want to sit in there and I want the tree to be on. Some days when it was too sunny, I closed the thing. <laughs> like this be- I know, judge me, it's fine. I just kind of closed it because I was like, I can't see the lights when the sun's out. So uh, I don't have a lot of Christmas decorations. Like I just, some people completely change their stuff com- out for the season, right? I'm like, that is far too much work for me. And storage is a problem. And so I have a few things, and I put them out, and I sort of love them. And I was sort of just thinking about the last little bit, what about, if, if I take Christmas down too early, I'm sort of afraid that, that the feeling for me of Christmas kind of goes away with it. I talked a little bit on, on um, Christmas Eve about I don't want to box up Christ. <laughs> Like this idea of this Christmas season when I box up the rest of my stuff. And so I sort of try desperately to, to hold on to it. And, um, and I just love everything about it, right? And so I love, uh, for me, Christmas is good. Um, I've sort of have it managed now to, to what parties I have to go to and what I don't have to go to. And for the most part, it's not overly stressful for me. Right? I sort of enjoy, I enjoy it. And I enjoy these quiet moments by my tree. Some of you feel the complete opposite. I've been seeing lots of things going on. Christmas is over, bring on summer. I've been hearing that a lot, and I tell you to quiet yourself. It has barely snowed. Um, and because some of you, you, Christmas is not that for you. And it's kind of been a stressful season where you sort of can't wait for it to be over. Um, my friend Kelly is um, one of those people, she, she loves Christmas, but it is a season in her life, and it is short. Because before New Year's Day, you, there's no sign of Christmas in her house. The tree is taken down, everything's put away, like it is over and done with. And so there's kind of like, I feel like you generally are one on one of those camps, right? Where you're either that person, or you're like me. But there is something amazing about Christmas, and there's been something amazing and cool about spending Advent here, in this space, together. We've kind of got something going, right? This is a new place for a lot of us, um, for all of us, and for some of you are, are even newer than others, but we've got something going here. 
where we feel the presence of God when we come into this place. We know each other. Most of us know um, names. And we know that that's not going to last forever. And so right now it feels really good. Some of you, a, a few of you, have taken the time to email myself uh, or the team and say, hey, I really appreciate this season. It's been cool to hear the monologues, to take a look at the sort of nativity and, and pull it apart and examine it a little bit closer, um, to have people that have come and, and uh, done the monologues as a character, as that person, and to dig a little deeper, to, to, to go back for some of you to like, I remember the Advent can the candle and, and lighting the wreath and having families come up, and that was cool. Or I had, like, I had no idea that Advent wreaths were a thing, and I'm glad that uh, now I know. And it's kind of been a cool, a cool season, and I've gotten to sort of pass that along a little bit to, to Jody and to Krista, who helped plan these things. And it's been a very cool season here together. The way we've been experiencing Christ, his entrance into the world, how he condescended to us and came to us. And I shared on Christmas Eve the scripture from John 1, um, and we, kinda, we talked about that a little bit, about how important it was that Christ came to us. And uh, if you could put that first slide on there, um, who's back there? Jake. Hi, Jake. Uh, <laughs> Jake. Jake's tired. <laughs> so, um, But this is, the, this is part of the scripture that we shared. And it's uh, John 1. It says, the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Right? I love that. I like to talk about that all year long. I like to talk about that at Christmas. I like to talk about it in June, in July. That is the thing for me. That's the thing that I think motivates everything that I do and I think. The good news is Jesus. The gospel is Jesus. Jesus came to embody all of that. And I tried to talk about that on Christmas Eve, and I don't feel like I did a really very good job. <laughs> and I've been thinking about it, not being able to stop thinking about how we can go back a little bit and dig a little deeper. This good news was the gospel, and it traveled all over Palestine and the world, and it traveled all the way to Hudsonville, Michigan, and got into the ears and the heart of a spunky redhead sporting a 1985 mullet. <laughs> it was me. The world, the word, the good news of the gospel is part of my story. Um, Rachel Held Evans uh, has a, a wonderful book called Inspired. Now, to be fair, um, I haven't read all of it. It was one of those books that I, I love Rachel Held Evans, and so I immediately went out and purchased it, and then it got to sit on the nightstand of book, do you have one of those, like the nightstand of books, and they're about this high, and you, try, you think, I'm going to get to that? Um, and I hadn't been able to, but, but she's one of those people, maybe you remember me talking about her in the spring if you were with us. Um, she passed away um, far too soon. She got a, like a, a fluke uh, cold that turned into something more, and she passed away. And I think she's one of those people that, that 
was a prophet, like a modern-day prophet. She spoke truth in ways that um, people uh, don't always anymore, and she was on the fringes, and not everybody liked everything she had to say or agreed with everything that she had to say, which, again, is fine, right? But she would kind of make you think about things differently, and for her, she, her, her story seemed to match so much of what I had been feeling. She grew up similar to the way that I grew up, even though she grew up in Birmingham, Alabama. Like, our stories seemed so similar. Um, and anyway, I noticed a conversation on Facebook this week um, a, that just has stayed with me, and they were talking about this book. And so they're talking about chapter 6 specifically. So I went and I read the whole thing, and um, it, it, I can't seem to shake it. And I love this idea of what our stories have to do with Christmas. She doesn't mention Christmas in this book, but that's all I've been thinking about. And so... Um, She's someone that has had experiences, maybe similar to yours. For me, her story would start similar to mine. I grew up in a Christian home. When you're asked to give maybe your testimony, if you're anything like me, if your upbringing was anything like mine, that's sort of how you start things out. So if we want to be tellers of good news, because Jesus is part of our story, then and, it's, and, I, and I even said, I went so far to say on Christmas Eve that it's our job to be tellers, to be the bearers of good news in our world, then what's the good news? And we know that it's Jesus, sure, but what she says in her book and what I'm reminded of again when I read scripture is it's different for everyone. The good news looks different for everyone, and it depends on who you ask. If you ask John, in the, in the, in the book of John, he opens up and he says, and the word became flesh. And that's what he talks about the entire book of John, how important that was, how he moved into the neighborhood and he gave us the right to be called sons and daughters of God. But if you ask the woman at the well, the good news is that she was still worthy of God's love. She has a different story. He was standing in front of her talking to her, a woman who doesn't belong at wells. So she goes at noon. For Matthew and for Mark, the good news is that, that Jesus was the long-awaited Messiah sent to establish God's reign on earth, not in the way we thought, not through power or conquest or to be this king, but through faithful sacrifice and unconditional love. That's what Matthew and Mark talk a lot about. The kingdom of God is here and now, and it's made real in the life of Jesus Christ, his life and his death. The kids who wanted blessings from Jesus, remember those? Who were like The disciples were like, no, 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 Jesus doesn't have time for this. The good news was that he was the kind of king that invited them up on his lap and probably listened to their jokes that aren't really jokes, you know, the jokes that kids tell? They're just making stuff up as they go, and you're just like, okay. Jesus was that, Jesus was that kind of man for them. That was good news for them. For, for physicians like Luke, the good news was that Jesus was for the poor and the oppressed. That he was the healer of the sick. He could make the lame walk. God rescues and heals and makes things right. I love the book of Luke for that very reason. The, the bleeding woman who spent her whole life savings on doctors trying to figure out what was happening to her and why this wouldn't stop. She, find Jesus, she finds Jesus in a crowd and touches him. And then he takes the time 
to have a conversation with her. That was good news for her. All right, the Apostle Paul talks about the good news being that Jesus, the Jesus story of God's chosen people is, is, is kind of over. No, it's just beginning. Right? It's reached the climax that Jesus is exactly who he said he was, the coming Messiah and prophet, and now it's for the whole world. The Israelites get to do what they were meant to do, which was to be uh, light bringers to the world. They were supposed to be that. They were God's chosen people to fulfill that. And they finally get to start doing that because enter Jesus and he's for everyone. And the blind beggar, his good news, his is my, probably my favorite because when he's talking to the religious leaders, he goes, I don't know. I was blind and now I see. That's it. That's the deal. That's the ball game. I don't know how to explain it. I don't have maybe words for all this, but I was blind and now I see. There's no way to boil this down these, this into a statement, right? Or have this formula. Sometimes we talk about that when we talk about, as Christians, what it means to go and to tell people and to make sure that they know they're sinners and they say the sinner's prayer and we, we do these things and then you can introduce to them Jesus. And how often is that a story that we tell? We don't, we don't speak to people like that because we like to tell stories. We're people that like to tell stories. And I actually just want to read you uh, the way that Rachel says this because it's so good. And instead of trying to paraphrase it, I'm just going to read it to you because it's gold. It says this, indeed, in scripture, not two people encounter Jesus in exactly the same way. Not once does anyone pray the sinner's prayer or ask Jesus into their heart. The good news is good for the whole world, certainly, but what makes it good varies from person to person and community to community. Liberation from sin looks different for the rich young ruler than it does for the woman caught in adultery. The good news that Jesus is the Messiah has a different impact on John the Baptist, a Jewish, a Jewish prophet, than it does the Ethiopian eunuch, a Gentile, an outsider. Salvation means one thing for Mary Magdalene, first to witness the resurrection, and another to the thief who died next to Jesus on the cross. The gospel is like a mosaic of stories, each one part of a larger story, yet beautiful and truthful on its own. There's no formula, there's no blueprint. I love that. Because Jesus is the answer. Jesus changes everything, but it looks different for everyone. The gospel is not a statement, it's a story. Jesus spent his whole life telling stories. The entire New Testament is stories about how people experienced and interacted with Jesus. They're how he encountered it. It's the gospel according to Matthew. The gospel according to Mark. The gospel according to Luke and to John. It's their perspective and each the same, sometimes the same stories told very differently picking up on different details, different things that mattered and important to them because they were different people and they experienced Jesus differently. And sometimes I think we kind of come together and we, want, uh, we, we feel like everybody needs to experience Jesus the same. Or that because you're from here and you grew up here and maybe we're similar, we have the same Jesus story. The good news is different for me than it was for you. And that's not just okay, that's amazing. That's the beautiful part of what we do. 
The book of Acts is all about the church's literal acts of figuring out what it meant to be a church and to follow the teachings and the life of this man, Jesus. And how it was impacting thousands of people that weren't just Jews, but were Gentiles. So for the first time, this is open to them. This is for them. And they told stories of the life of Jesus. Oftentimes, and I'm super guilty of this, I talk about, and I make statements. I think I actually made this statement on Christmas Eve. Because it's true, and I mean it, and it says, Jesus came to die. We talk about his birth, we almost always talk about his death in the same sentence. Because that's what he came to do. And you're right. That is, but that's part of what he came to do. That's the culm, maybe the culmination of what he came to do. But he came as a baby so he could die for our sins. Yes, but that's not, that's not a complete statement. And Evans challenges me on this when, when she says, Jesus lived to save us from our sins. He lived. Jesus' life, Jesus lived a life that mattered. And we spend the majority of our Christian faith and walk talking about his life. It's not complete. Jesus lived. The good news is more, more than just his death and resurrection, but it's about what he came, it's, not, it's more than about what he came to do, but how he lived his life before he did it. Right? His life and teaching show us the way of liberation. And it's, it's made final in his death and resurrection. But his whole life is what we want to emulate, what we want to be like, what we strive to become. It's, it's the experience that we want, uh, we want to have. When we talk about what it means to be Jesus, when I say to you that you are now, you get to be Jesus with flesh on, that you are the incarnation of Jesus in the way that humans can be because of the, whole, the gift of the Holy Spirit. We want to live the same way that Jesus lived. I want to keep Christmas. And I feel like that's, for me, this connection that's maybe been missing in the way that I think, that I, the way that I think about it is that every Christian gets a testimony. The gospel according to you. There are no... There are fundamental truths. There are fundamental truths. Make sure I say that right. There are fundamental truths about who Jesus is. And that's true. We have theology. We have a worldview. We have a lens in which we view scripture. For us, it comes from reformed understanding and background. But the good news is what has Jesus done for you? Why does Jesus matter for you? What ways have you encountered Jesus? <clears throat> Because you are part of the gospel story. Your small story makes up the larger sweeping story. We're to, you know the next slide? I love this. We're in this together, not because we've had the same experience. She says it this way in her book. She says, the church is not a group of people who believe all the same things. The church is a group of people caught up in the same story with Jesus at the center. Do you remember? We're going to come to this table in a minute. Do you remember when we made this table? There are some of you who were here, not everybody was here, but you all had a piece. And there are these broken pieces, and we talked about how um, these represent our lives, that they're not, they're not perfect. 
that they've got jagged pieces and parts. And, and then you got to come, when you came to the table, you got to bring your broken piece. And we put it all around the table to sort of make this mosaic piece for us to celebrate the Lord's Supper on, for us to use as baptism, for us to use for everything that we want to do as part of this table is as much as part of our church. It's a gathering point. And each one of your stories makes up this table. We don't have time. I wish we had time, and I wish sometimes we had the vulnerability to say, I'm going to and hear from each one of you to be able to tell your story about why Jesus matters. What has been your experience? For me, Jesus mattered because in, in 1985 at Hudsonville Christian School, I was like the only kid I know that had parents that were divorced. And that's when Jesus entered my story. And it mattered. And I met people that would add to my story. People that changed me and shaped me. People that showed me Jesus because they were Jesus. And it happened at church. And it happened at youth group. And it happened at young life camp. But it happened, um, it happened with neighbors that would invite me around their table. Or when I didn't get picked up when I was supposed to. Somebody else would come get me and they would, they would make me forget that I didn't get picked up. Because it was a wrong weekend and I had something to do. Where does Jesus enter your story? What's the gospel according to you? That's what I mean when I say Go be tellers. Go be tellers of the good news. For some of you, it's going to mean that you're going to lay out the gospel story for somebody. But I bet for most of you, it's just simply going to be sharing your story and why Jesus matters to you. Why the baby that we celebrate at Christmas matters to you now. That's what I want you to be able to go be tellers of. You don't have to be scholars. You don't have to know. You don't have to read some of the books that I have had to read. You don't have to understand some of the things that I still don't understand, if I'm honest. Immutability, I don't fully get it. You don't, some of you are like, I didn't even know that was a word. You don't need to be scholars to have experienced the transforming power of Jesus, but you do have to share it. That's what I mean by go-be-tellers. And so part of the, the way that we sort of keep Christmas alive or keep Christ alive for us so that it doesn't get boxed up is that we do, we come to the table together. God says, whenever you eat and whenever you drink, you can think of me, but we come together as a table corporately to remember together, to remember the life that Jesus lived. We, we, we celebrate what his death means for us, but in the talking about it, it helps us to remember and remembering is important. Remembering is what we do in, in families, what you probably have done in families across uh, tables, wherever you were for Christmas. I love it when families get together, especially when you're older or when kids come home from college. You start to do what? Tell stories. You have no idea what we did when we were, <laughs> like especially kids that go to college, they finally feel like they're further enough home to be safe to like tell the stories of what the shenanigans that they did. But that's what we do. We gather around tables and we tell stories and we remember. We remember 
what they taught us. And when we gather around this table, we not only commemorate his death, but we remember the way that he lived, the things that he taught us, the ways of love and mercy and compassion, so much love and compassion that he was willing to give up his life so that we may live. That he gave up his life for you and for me. And, but then not even death on the cross which is going to be the final say in the story. But by gathering around this table, we tell the story of his death. And by telling the story, we remember. So I'm going to invite you to come to the table today. We're going to do it the way that we've kind of been doing it. There's going to be um, three stations in a minute. Two of them are, are, and we're just going to do it in tinction style. You're just going to come up and you're going to get um, bread and you're going to dip it into the juice. And if you are a gluten-free person, then you're going to make sure that you take this bread and this cup um, with Lynn in a minute, and that's going to be just for you. But we're going to come and we're going to gather and we're going to remember because a while ago, Jesus met in an upper room with his best friends. The people that he'd been walking alongside of and teaching them everything that he knew and pouring into them and loving them. They were his people and they gathered up in a room and they were having a meal together. The meal that Jesus knew would be his very last one on earth. And when, he did, when they did that, he, he took bread. And after he had blessed it and given thanks, he took it and he broke it. And he said, friends, this is my body broken for you. And whenever you eat it, think of me. Remember me. And in the same way, he took the cup. And when he had blessed it, he poured it out and he said, this is my blood. My blood of a new covenant, which is poured out for you. When you drink this, remember me. In the ways that we remember, we tell stories. And when we come and we take these elements and we eat them and drink them, the body of Christ is broken for you and the blood of Christ is shed for you. As you eat and as you drink and as you remember, you remember the life that he lived. Everything that you know, everything you've been taught, I want to come flooding back to your senses. Let's, I'm going to invite the uh, folks up that are going to take the elements. And uh, I just want to say a prayer, and then as you feel led, you uh, can come uh, to the table and take the elements, because everything is ready for you. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your goodness, for your love, and for your light, and for your mercy. God, for loving us so much that you sent your son, Jesus Christ, to be born into the world, to be a child, and to grow up and to experience life the way that we do, so that we can know you and understand you better, so that we can be in relationship with you, the God of the universe in relationship with us, caring about each and every single one of us. And God, you grew up, your son grew up and, and, and lived a life and a ministry and met people and healed the sick and met the outcasts, came in for dinner with tax collectors, made sure that Everyone felt loved and cared for and knew that the, the Father in heaven saw them and loved them and cared about them too. And so God, as we, as we come to this table to celebrate and to remember the gift of your son, 
the gift of the life that he lived and the death and life that he gave us so that we have the opportunity to live with him forever. God, thank you isn't enough. Words can't express what we have. But we thank you for who you are and who we get to be because of the broken body and shed blood of Jesus Christ. Amen.